Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi. My name is Jane. My name's Kurt. And this is Made You Look, a podcast where we watch episodes of each other's favourite TV shows and chat about them and try and work out why do we like the things that we like and why doesn't the other person like them and what can we do to possibly make the other person like them. Yes, Jane and I are very different people, but we have a very similar uh, critical consumption of television. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, really interesting to figure out when we're on the same level. And I've got to say, this is one show where we have not quite been on the same level No, in fact, the the two episodes that you will hear this week and next week are probably two of our most divisive. Yeah. I'm really curious, though, to hear more about uh, the person who's recommended the shows this time round, because in this season of Hindsight, uh, we're doing um, some episodes of our previous ones that we've done in the past, trying to give them a second go around mm-hmm. uh, and see if we can really pick apart why it is we love them or potentially be a bit manipulative and pick an episode that the other one will probably get more out of and understand how the show works on their level. Mm, I'm so interested to hear your t- your take on why you selected this episode this week. I'm but very excited. Before we uh, talk about the episode specifically, Kurt, what did you get me to watch this week? This week, I got Jane to watch Six Feet Under. said it before but gosh this opening is fantastic it's won a bunch of awards and i won't ramble on about it too much because i didn't last time yeah we talked a lot about this last time which you, was our first episode this was our first episode that Originally. we ever did yeah um, very first episode of made you look we watched these this particular show a long time ago yeah and um, we talked extensively at the time about this opening credit sequence you love it because it's lovely and at the time it was very different. Yeah and now it started this whole it started a very big trend of how opening title credit sequences are done of just beautiful shots of little things off centre and kind of cutaway shot style. Well just kind of a very um kind of moody aesthetic Mm. opening credit scene that speaks more toward the tone and the sort of the content of the show more Without than showing any of the key characters or anything exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's it was, you know, groundbreaking for the time. I think it's fine personally because <laughs> it's, you know it's, it's fine. Very similar to a lot of other opening credit sequences that I have sequences that I have seen before. Um so I don't find it particularly beautiful. But again this falls into why we like the things we like. Mm-hmm. You love aesthetics and <laughs> how things look beautiful cinematography and you just like froth on that whereas yes. I 
don't mind that, but it's not what I go to things for. So that's that's about an hour's worth of conversation on episode one, <laughs> condensed to 30 seconds. So you're welcome. Then we just prattled on a little bit about my family backstory too much. And... Lord knows what we did. It was a very long time ago. We didn't know what we were doing. No. Um, oh, I just wanted to quickly forewarn everybody. Both Kurt and I are not super well today. No, we're not great. Actually, after we recorded a large batch of podcasts, we were both like, oh, I've got a bit of a tickle in my throat. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Then I was out from work for a week with a chest infection. Mm-hmm. Now Jane's getting sick. Yeah, I'm at the very beginnings of what I suspect will be a horrific cold. Um, so hopefully we will both power through and you won't notice any of that. If anything, I just sound more appealing with mm. a slightly huskier voice. Would we call it husky? See, when a woman gets a croaky voice, people call it vocal fry and say that it's awful to sound like. But when a man gets it, he gets a husky, sexy voice. Disagree. I learned the term husky off an episode of Friends when Phoebe Buffay had a cold and she had a sexy voice and she was singing and she was really excited about having drums. Singing, different to podcasting. Right. They, they refer to it as vocal fry when we go down here like this, which is why a lot of podcasters ah. or radio personalities speak in a higher register when they are on radio. I find myself doing that at the beginning of an episode, but by <laughs> the end, I'm right back down here. That's why you sound a little bit less like you in the beginning of an episode, but Correct. you sound more like you in day-to-day life off air by the end of the episode because we've just prattled on so Because much. I'm distracted from thinking about how I sound, so I've gone back down to my normal lower register I've of voice. I've never heard vocal fry before. Yeah. It's That's cause awful. because it, it's, it's a sexist term. Oh, bloody hell. There's too many to learn, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sorry. But that's, anyway, that's enough about vocal fry and our lives. Let's talk about Six Feet Under. Yes. So Six Feet Under is uh, a show that was on HBO. You know, the hallowed network of trying to be really cool and um, left of centre and dark and gritty. Or just Sex and the City, basically, with gratuitous boobs. So the show started in 2001 uh, and ran for five seasons down to 2005. It was created and produced by Alan Ball and something I didn't actually know uh, in the beginning of when I was watching this, just when I was doing a little bit of information research before, apparently there was a bit of multiple reports and even a lawsuit involved in the creation of the show. Originally, Alan Ball, oh, by the way, Alan Ball is known for uh, True Blood. Uh, He's also uh, worked on American Beauty and uh, Banshee, but I have no idea what Banshee is. Have you ever heard of Banshee? I don't know what Banshee is, but I tell you what, the other two do not fill me with confidence. Oh, no, no, I guess they wouldn't. No. I mean, to be honest, I don't even like True Blood. I liked the first two seasons and then I was like, wait, no, I don't like the show. I got about... 25 minutes into the first episode. Wow. Yeah. And then I was like, can't do this. I mean, I was staying around for Lafayette, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. I don't like the two central characters of it at all. I distinctly recall the moment where it lost me. It was when Suki? Yeah. Suki St. James? No, no, that's, I'm thinking of Gilmore Girls. Well, she's Suki as opposed to Suki. Yeah. Uh, anyway, whatever her name yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, like, sees the vampire love interest. Bill? And... Bill. What a dumb name. I know. <laughs> Sorry uh, if there are any Bills out there. It's not a dumb name, necessarily. It's, a, it's not the most romantic <laughs> it's name. It's not the uh, traditional leading man name. Correct. But, yeah, she sees him in the cafe or diner, whatever it is, and, like, literally the camera, like, zooms in and everything else fades away, and it's just, like, the most... It's like the lamest love at first sight, love at first date camera trope. I could not. I was like, I didn't even remember that shot. Tapping out. Look, maybe it's not as dramatic as I remember <laughs> it, but I remember it being like, 
nah, I'm out. I cannot do this. I also thought it was really poorly written, but that was, anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so aside from that, uh, in terms of the creation of the show, originally um, some reports have stated that uh, Alan Ball said that he came up with the idea and the concept after the deaths of sister and father. And then actually the HBO president, Carolyn Strauss, said that she produced the idea, proposed the idea to him. And then actually a screenwriter by the name of Gwen O'Donnell asserted that she was actually the original source of the idea, passed it on to the president of HBO, mm. and then even submitted through a US Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, whatever that means, US citizen. Sure. Uh, proceeding on the assumption, uh, but then basically the claim was rejected. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm unfounded. Uh, and in an interview, Alan Ball was actually uh, stating that when I went to HBO, they had read my first draft and Carolyn Strauss said, you know, this is really good, blah, 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 blah. Can you make it more fucked up? And he's like, that never happens. So he's obviously had a few reports that kind of gone his way and also the lawsuit kind of went his way. But just interesting that someone would actually like come up and speak up. This is this, this kind of thing happened a bit, hasn't it? Um, in terms of people thinking that the original idea and concept for a show, once it gets successful, is them before it's passed on to multiple different people. I mean, this happens all the time, but it doesn't often progress to lawsuit right. phase because it's incredibly difficult to prove. Yes. And there's something along the lines of, you know, basically nobody owns an idea. Mm, 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 so mm. you have to be, like, really specific with the physical proof of not just a concept but specifics in the scripts that are Gosh, the yeah, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't look by all means write in if you know stuff about copyright <laughs> law because we don't. But it's, Oh, it's painful. I do know that it's incredibly difficult to prove that somebody else stole your idea mm. because ideas are not... Something that you can claim. Belo yeah, they, they literally don't belong to anybody. Mm. So when, if somebody came and pitched this idea to Carolyn Strauss and then she was like, I love this idea but I don't like your script at all, I think technically there's nothing preventing her from saying to somebody else... Hey, this is an idea. Can here's an it? idea, just that, you know, you know, people in a family... In a funeral home. Funeral home, dad dies, off you go, run with it. I don't think yeah. that that that's legally a problem. As yeah, long as she yeah. isn't saying like, here's a script and like it's I want you to take characters. this script, use the characters and rework it. I think that's where the problem mm -hmm. lies. But again, I don't know the law. Uh but no, this uh show has won a number of awards, even a Peabody actually. Um, uh, and I also has been listed in a number of like best shows of all time, including mm -hmm. Time Magazine and uh, Empire Magazine in Top 50. Mm -hmm. So I always knew about this show because, you know, I've read a lot of movie magazines yeah. and encyclopedias and things like that. And when I mean encyclopedias, I don't mean actual encyclopedias. I mean film encyclopedias of Golden Globus Award recipients. And uh, it's always been on my to-do list, but it was quite dark. And to be honest, I am still watching it. And yeah, I've been watching right. it for like six years. How far are you? I'm in the second last season out of five seasons. Okay. Yeah. So the thing is, we'll get to it about why that's the case after sure. we've talked more a little bit about the episode, mm -hmm. uh, because that will probably be some interesting content to go into there. Uh, what I will do, though, is uh, give Jane the show and episode context uh, that I gave her mm -hmm. before she watched the episode. Mm -hmm. Quick question. Did you see the show context before or after you watched the episode? I think I 
saw it before. Because I just didn't put it in until like later in the day. <laughs> I didn't I... watch it till late last night. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Did you? Because did you see my original, my first sentence? Isn't it just like pure nonsense? Are you just? Yeah, like... I said shit. I forgot to write this in my lunch break. If you haven't seen it yet, bows. Just a bummer. I couldn't copy and paste it since it's too old. Uh, and we did that via Facebook. Anywho, then I go into. <laughs> then you actually yes, I remember that. Okay. Because I, I was like, oh, I don't want to write this. I'll just copy and paste it. And I was like, oh shit, we didn't do it for the first ones. No, we didn't start doing it for ages. Okay. So with the show context, uh, for Six Feet Under, we've got Nathan recently has returned home from his dad's funeral, where his brother David has been running the funeral home business since he left home. Ruth was secretly actually having an affair since her marriage. Their, their mother, by the way. Oh, yes, the mother, uh, who was secretly having an affair since her marriage was loveless in its final years, but still claims to love him and tries to put forth a strong traditional family value. Uh, Claire is a kid, who's the youngest of the three, David and Nathan, who is still going through high school and certainly getting fucked up growing up around all these dead and crying people and very much still trying to figure herself out. Nathan, who is mostly called Nate, found out that he has ALS and could die at any moment, but he has decided not to tell anyone, especially the oddly analytical Brenda, who, woo, Rachel Griffiths, Australian represent, um, who he met after having woohoo in the airport upon landing. You can say sex. I just like the word woohoo. Okay. Because in The Sims, it doesn't say have sexual relations with another character or sleep with. It says woohoo. Sure. Yeah. Quick question about ALS. Yes. I'm under the impression that that's a, that's a degenerative disease. It's not a you-can-die-at-any-time disease. Did I get the disease wrong? Yeah, no, it's not ALS. It's AVM. Oh, I don't know what that is. Neither do I. Uh, it's a thing in his brain that it, it could pop at any moment and then his blood vessels will explode. It's an atrovenous malformation, a potentially fatal brain condition, which could cause him to have a seizure or stroke at any time. Basically sounds like a tumour. Yeah. I'd say that's what it is. Okay, that makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah, no, when I wrote that, I was like, I don't think that's right. But I, I, I'd recently read, like, list of, like, ranking every single episode of Six Feet Under. So I was, like, trying to, like, not look at spoilers for the episodes I hadn't seen yet. Yeah, And yeah. then I was also like, oh, yeah, no, there's this is the episode where he tells him about ALS. But I was probably just skimming too much and it said AVM. That's fine. Like, that doesn't just, sound like a thing, I was just it? curious. I was like, do I not know the things that I think that I know? Or are you wrong? I was wrong. There we go. All right, and so for the episode that I gave Jane, which is season one, episode five, an open book, here is the context that I gave her for this specific, for this specific one. Nate and Brenda have been dating for a little while now, and he still doesn't know much about her and would like to be a bit more than a hookup. Early into their relationship, he discovered that there was a tattoo of Nathaniel on her body, which he was a little bit freaked out out, and she said it had nothing to do with him and got it way before they met. And it would have freaked out her psychologist parents just as much as he reacted. David has been happily dating Keith in the closet from his family, but Keith is slowly trying to push him to be more himself in public and has been enjoying going with him to his accepting church in WeHo. Claire has been having some trouble in school since the whole foot incident, which is actually the first episode of our podcast and the episode that I gave Jane previously, where she kind of took a dead guy's foot and stuck it in a guy's locker. Mm -hmm. uh, she was terribly bullied for sucking this guy's toe uh, and has now been seeing the school counsellor because everyone said that she put the foot in the locker. 
Ruth has basically just been hella sad and lonely and trying to reach out to her children and have more meaningful relationships with them. Great. Love it. So I'm, I'll give our little recap mm -hmm. and then we can have a bit of a chat about mm. the episode. Yes, please. So every episode of Six Feet Under, as far as I'm aware, involves the death of a stranger and kind of uh, centres around, not centres around, but, you know, in the background there's usually a funeral preparations going on mm -hmm. for this particular character. So you see their death at the beginning, yes, is that correct? Yes, yes. It's kind of like um, a, a crime show where you see the murder of someone and then you see the body and what happened. Yeah. Uh, that, so that extra is immediately it's dead. A, but it's a framing mechanism yes, for the rest of the plot. Which generally may include one particular theme that might push some of the characters into certain directions and mm -hmm. conversations. Yes, we'll talk about it. Mm. The death of the week this week is a porn star, Vivica St. John, and... Throughout the episode, the, the family in the in the funeral home spend much of the time trying to work out how to make her boobs look good without a bra for the viewing. David, at one point, hallucinates her saying that she loved everyone she ever fucked while she was fucking them. Therefore, he can't look down on her lifestyle without also looking down on himself. Because, anyway, it's part of a larger plot. We'll talk about it. Yeah. It's a bit complicated. To, <laughs> it is, it, yeah, to summarise. <laughs> to summarise. Uh, but at the funeral, there is a huge pour outpouring of love and grief for this um, person. A plot. <laughs> David has returned to the family church where the priest suggests that he take up his father's position as deacon. David aces his interview, although he doesn't reveal that he's gay, he's pretty sure that the priest already knows. Mm. At first, Keith is supportive of this deaconship, but later at brunch he expresses doubt about David returning to a church that actively denounces his sexuality. Nate and Brenda happen upon them while they're at brunch, and David finally brings up the courage to semi-come out to Nate, who is pretty pleased about it. David and Keith have a fleeting moment of happiness, but Keith realises that David is still ashamed of who he is, and is returning to the perceived safety of the church rather than moving in what he sees to be a more positive direction. They have a huge blowout fight. Keith gets really upset and leaves. B-plot. Nate unexpectedly comes across Brenda's psychologist parents while they are naked in their pool. Uh, well, sorry, while Nate and Brenda are naked in the pool, not the parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's, it's at her parents' house. Yes. And he soon finds himself invited over for dinner. He's surprised that Brenda is voluntarily absent from said dinner, but he learns a lot about her, that she's very close to her brother and that she, as a child, was obsessed with a book about runaway orphan siblings called Nathaniel and Isabel. And finally that she is actually a genius who was studied by lots of different people when she was a child. At first, he's furious about learning all of this the way that he did, but really he just wants some honesty and she just wants to trust him. So they bond again and they're all happy. She caves and gives him a key to her apartment. Later, after brunch, they go there together where Nate meets her brother, Billy, for the first time and sees firsthand their very strange connection. Yes. <laughs> and the tramp stamp that he has of the word Isabel. Mm-hmm. C-plot. The school's counsellor has brought in Ruth to talk with Claire about the family dynamic, and Ruth really resents that Claire thinks the family has always been unhappy. 
Claire refuses to believe that the kind of super happy mother-daughter relationship from TV and movies exists, so Ruth takes her to visit her cousin, who has this overly sweet relationship with her daughter. The plan backfires when Ruth realises that everything about their happiness is just fakeness and repression, and Claire and Ruth bond over escaping from their house together. Ruth confesses her affair, and Claire says that she doesn't hate her mother, she's just confused about the life that they lead and she can't continue to pretend that everything's okay the way that her mother does. The family come together at church as David becomes a deacon. He's proud of being able to help the community, being inspired by hearing how the porn star gave love and support to everyone that she came in contact with. But when Nate asks where Keith is, David says that they were just friends. So he's back in the closet. Mm. Brenda came along to watch this all happen um, and enjoyed the pageantry of the church, but is amused and kind of put off when Nate says that he believes in God. She spouts her own nihilistic views and leaves, and he's a bit shocked by it. Finally, Claire asks her mum if they can watch a movie together, and it's very sweet, and it's the beginnings, a very, very early step into trying to mend that relationship. I love her final line of that. But if you cry, we're not doing it. Yes, if you cry, it's this off. is all off. We're not, we're not doing emotion here. And Ruth has to hold it back. She's just like, oh, I'm so happy, but I'm not going to be emotional. Oh, I really love Ruth. Ruth is fantastic. So it's uh, Lauren Ambrose. And I haven't seen her in much other than American Horror Story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I really want to know what else she's done because I've only seen her act later in life. So I'm yeah. sure she's been an actor for, for much longer and had other or roles. Or maybe she's one of those people that started later. Yeah, well, she's yeah, fantastic at it. Uh, actually, a fun fact, when I was looking through all of the episodes, uh, when the cast were actually saying their particular favourites, um, one of hers is when she an episode, one of the first episodes where she gets to have her hair down mm -hmm. because they have her hair up so much in the show to try and make her look older to match the age of the father who was dead in the first season. Uh, who was dead in the first season? Who was dead in the first season and kind of a character. You, you see him probably every other episode in the first season, mm -hmm. but after that you don't really see him at all as that kind of like ghost image of, you know, when you've lost someone, blah, 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 blah. He's not even relevant to this episode, really. No, no, no. not really. I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, about him when... Uh, Ruth is visiting her cousin um, oh, yeah. because her cousin basically decides that she'll say, you know, well, when my husband left me, it was basically the same as when your husband died. And Ruth does not take that particularly well, unsurprisingly. Mm. And they, and that's kind of the impetus to, for them to all realize that her cousin is living this really like insincere lifestyle, basically. I really liked just the little go-between in terms of uh, the Gilmore Girls episode. And um, Claire was saying, like, mm. th these these mother-daughter relationships don't exist. They're just on movies and TV. We're yeah. not going to have this cute thing. And she's like, no, I'm signing you a note. I'm, I'm You're not going to school tomorrow. Stop doing your homework. We're going to visit my cousin and her and her daughter, and we're doing this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really nice go-between um, in terms of unrealistic expectations and realistic mm. expectations. Except I hate that when they cut to that episode of Gilmore Girls, they've put, like, twee little music behind that scene, which is not in that scene. No, no, it's not. They made it look like this really, like, like overly, like, I mean, Gilmore Girls is an overly sweet relationship, but also it's 
it's a more fun, sarcastic relationship. Yeah, yeah. And they make it look like it's, you know, happy days, basically. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I mean, like, especially in the embodiment of the characters that are kind of emulating that toxic, yeah. a, to- a more toxic version of that relationship. Totally. Uh, but I, 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 everything in Six Feet Under has a slightly darker tone to it, even if it's peppered up and brightly coloured. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what did you think of the episode? I didn't mind it. Mm. It was okay. I was pretty put off by the early part of the porn star plotline. Right. I've I loved the funeral. Yeah. The funeral was lovely and a really nice culmination. Did you pick the um uh, guest star in that? Uh, immediately. From oh, the second yeah. I saw her even sitting there, I was like, Sandra O. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra O. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. Uh, I, I didn't pick it in. just was like, is that? No. Is it? And then it said special guest starring oh, Sandra O. So didn't I, I didn't her. pick it until oh I rewatched God. it. No, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was there immediately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was really delightful. I really liked the funeral element of it when we... I mean, I wish it hadn't all been... All the men hadn't been like, my happiest time was when I was fucking her. Mm. Um, I wish it had been a little more like, she was a good person outside of that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. they also, they do they, lean they, they towards do, yeah, that. They do, yeah, do lean towards that. And especially um, um, Sandra O's character, who, who, yeah. who says, you know, just how warm and okay she and made it all feel. Supportive she was, and, and while I think that some of this is a bit for, you know, their later time slot or, you know, a chance, for, it's it's not sexualized too much. And I, at least I don't think in comparison to other HBO shows. Kurt just reacted to the look on my face when he said <laughs> that's why he just backpedaled real quick. I, I just, I, 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 this is not one of the main reasons why I was interested in the show in terms of that core character. As you yeah. know, like that character isn't, you know, central to the entire episode. It's just kind of like a, a hitting off point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just, it's... the other reasons why I really like the show are what happens with all the other characters. But I also really kind of appreciate the fact that, you know, they tried to stay a little bit out of the taboo of, of porn stars in itself. Um, but I don't think they did a very good job of that in the limited time they gave it. I think that they made a cursory attempt at that, mm. but I don't think they did the best job. Oh, definitely. I, I agree. see where they were going. Yeah, yeah I agree. They, the, I agree. It's just... I think what really bothered me was just the amount of time they spent talking about her boobs. Yeah, oh, oh, and being completely. like, we've got to make her boobs look good. We've got to make her boobs look good. And I understand that it's 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 kind of like there's there's generally with each body there's generally a problem that yes. needs to be resolved. Yeah. Um. And so it's like, for example, like they couldn't find the foot. Exactly. Uh, I think it was someone in an ice cream machine. Uh. I can't quite remember what the, <laughs> what the particular food processing thing was. Was that they were killed in? But uh, yeah, no, and it was. Um, it's uh, it's it's for the um, Rico, the assistant who's uh, doing mm. up the bodies, to always kind of have a slight challenge uh, towards it. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, I understood what they were going for. But no, it's just I, it's, very, it, it, it felt crass. It's very crass, very objectificationy, and I just was a little bit uncomfortable with it. Um, and I understand that that's a lot to do with me and my own hang-ups and the fact that I'm the biggest prude you've ever met in your entire life. <laughs> and I don't really want to spend an episode watching gratuitous nudity. Like she was naked for a lot of it. it that, wasn't that's the necessary. thing. The, the um the person who's dead generally is naked. Yeah. Regardless of uh, gender. Do they have to be though? <laughs> um. It it depends on if how much they are standing up or out of the body bag or things like that. It depends on on episode. To do episode. we get full male nudity? I think we do. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, it's HBO, so... Yeah, but, but the, HBO, yeah, HBO also refused... Way more boobs. Yeah, they like boobs. They're very okay with showing vaginas. They very rarely show deep penises. Yeah, I know. No, not that I often <laughs> wanted to... I said that so disappointingly. No, so no. wistfully, like, oh, more penises. <laughs> I, I don't think many people want to see a cold penis in a morgue, to be honest. I, I, look, I like penis. I'm just not a fan of it when it's dead. Yes, I also... Don't love seeing vaginas everywhere. Oh, I don't either. But you know? I, I, it doesn't really phase me. Yeah. Um, because it's clinical. It's yeah, it's not generally sexualized. One. I suppose. <laughs> you consider it to be clinical because you don't have one. Right. It's quite personal to me, to be honest. <laughs> well, I know yours is. I'm saying when I see it on an HBO thingy. Okay, off genitalia. <laughs> um, what did you think about the relationship between Keith and David? I I wish I had more of an understanding as to why David flip-flopped on his opinion of mm. of why he was at first supportive of deaconship. Sorry, can you explain to me what a deacon of a church okay, is? Okay, so it's actually different according to uh, denominations. Okay. Uh, so in regards to how I understand it, it's incredibly different to how they are because his is a bit more Catholic based. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the bishop was someone who actually did the interview and things yeah. like that. Whereas I uh, hail from Pentecostal. Yes. And so with Pentecostal Christians, it's kind of more of a title than it is of a role. There is duties related to it, but it's like administrative stuff and like uh, handing out flyers and kind of, it kind of like, it's, it's kind of like a fancy usher who helps out with like admin stuff. I kind of got the impression that might have been what they were talking about because they were saying in the Catholic like... Church it, they've got a bit more of a role okay. and a standing and also uh, kind of like it's it, the title also holds weight. Okay. It also like if someone's a deacon of a church, it kind of means they would go to meetings and uh, they would also like deacons in our churches would would do that as well. But also I come from a small country town church, yeah. so depending on the size of the church, it does vary. But also it's it's kind of just like uh, below priest, but helps them out from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not not too far from what I thought it was. Yeah. So okay. okay. So back to the conversation. Back to the conversation. I I think that it was interesting to me that Keith was at first like, yeah, cool, this seems great, and then the next time we see him, apropos of nothing, he's changed his opinion, and all he says is, "I thought about it some more," mm. and I just wish that there had been something within their relationship that had prompted that because it felt like that argument sort of came out of nowhere. Well, there was. There was the trigger of him saying that he wasn't going to come. No, no, before that. Because he did start the argument. He did flip-flop first and then that led into that. And then that that led into that. And I totally, I just wish that they had done it the other way around. Yeah, I agree, actually. If I was going to fix this episode, it would make David seem like a stronger character Mm. um, in terms of all of this. But I guess, like, every episode he's been very, like... I'm not going to push you out. I'm not going to push you out, but mm. I don't want to spend my life dating someone who's in the closet. Yeah. And so this is episode five, and I guess that's not a long time in terms of a season, but this is like halfway through the first yeah. season. And uh, these shows are a little bit longer than 45 minutes. They're about 50. Yeah, um, it fell long. <laughs> so not necessarily in a bad way, but just like after I watched it's it a, once and I had a, to watch it again, I was like, oof. Okay. It's a very slow paced show. Yeah. Uh, so it, it will feel long. Actually, I don't think it is that slow paced. When I think about it, a lot happened in this episode. Oh, actually, yeah, no, a lot did happen. But I mean, it feels slow to me because it's quite realistic. It's very wordy. Yeah. It's not, it's not very, I mean, action doesn't necessarily mean, you know, 
action sequence. No, yes, but it's, but it, it's a very talky show. Yes, it's it's mostly conversational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I l- because it's hard for me to judge this relationship, as you say, um, between Keith and David, because. You didn't get to see that more of the fun dynamic. You just kind of got to see him reacting to David's own. Yeah, yeah. and and I I sort of feel like this relationship does seem really one sided and, you know, not like an even relationship. It seems like Keith is providing a lot of support to mm-hmm. David, and mm-hmm. David's not really willing to give anything back. And that's one of the reasons why he got so pissed. Yeah. Um. So when it led to, uh, I'm okay with how he left because it had these the off roll effect after that conversation to be like. Okay, so you you don't even want to, like you need to come meet my friends. I want to, he wants to introduce yeah. him to his friends and particularly considering there's like there's nobody there that would know him in yeah, any other context. Exactly. And so it's not like that's pushing him out of the closet necessarily cuz he's been to, you know, the West Hollywood gay church, you know. He's gone with him to places like that he's before. He's semi out. He's semi out. He's just not family out, yes. which is generally or, the or his community. Yes, yes, yeah. His his local area. Um, but it's 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 definitely straining on a relationship uh, on those both sides. And Keith stands up for himself a lot more after this point. Yeah, I'm glad. And there's quite a uh, a bit of push and pull. So it's it's a, it's a frustratingly realistic uh, gay scenario, mm. especially uh, given the time that it was coming out in 2001. And it was, uh, I haven't really seen much of Dexter at all, and I'm not sure how much people love it or hate it, given how it just kept going. It didn't have a proper, like, final ending. Started strong. Right. Petered out in about season two or three. I didn't make a past two. I'm generally a fan of Michael C. Hall's acting, and it was really fun for me when I started watching this show, because I didn't even know that there were gay characters in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, and the Keith is such a hot officer. <laughs> and I really loved Rachel, sorry, Brenda's uh, reaction. I constantly constantly call her Rachel because in, in in my family we just love Rachel Griffiths. Do you? Know? you? Yeah, we really do. I didn't realize you didn't have as much like Australian pride for her, but I think it's like a brothers and sisters thing. And yeah, right. uh, after she did Six Feet Under, she's gone on a number of like talk shows saying like that character was super depressing to deal with. For, Brenda? Yeah, or? the character of Brenda for five years. So she was... Is she on the show the whole time? She's on the show. Uh, so there's about there's half a season of season three where she's not in it. Yeah, right. Uh, actually, most of season three, she's not in it. I cannot picture dealing with this character for much longer. You don't like Brenda? I don't get Brenda. That's what's interesting about <laughs> Brenda. You, it takes ages to learn more about her, but what I love is that she's so sure of herself and you're like, but who the hell are you? What is yourself? But when she doesn't like backpedal really, but she won't show you all the cards. When she says, I'm an open book, you are not an open book lady. I don't lady. need to see all the cards. I just like to see one of them. She gave him one at the end. <laughs> Well, no, one rocked up on her doorstep and... Oh, no, I was talking about the, um, the her God comment in terms of how she believes it's all fucking random. Yeah. Oh, that's not really a card to her entire personality. No, that's just a statement I also of belief. Get, the thing about... Ra- Ra- now I'm calling her Rachel. <laughs> the thing about Brenda is you never... It's exactly what he says. You never know whether what she's saying is what she actually thinks or if she's saying something to get a rise out of you. Mm, so mm. I was like, does she actually... Like... Does she actually feel exactly this way or does she feel this way but she wouldn't have said it this way if she knew it wouldn't upset him or or wouldn't be shocking to him or does, like, 
why does she do the things that she does? Because I always feel like there's an undercurrent behind it. Yeah. Of trying to manipulate someone, which is apparent in this episode. It is a little bit. she literally had him be at the house when her parents came home so that she would meet them, so that she would get him invited to dinner, so that he would learn all about her without her having to tell him. She learned some of manipulative tendencies from her own manipulative parents. Mm. And, uh, like, she hates her parents a lot more than, uh, obviously, Nate does at this point of time. Yeah. We, when we have another dinner with all five of them, including Billy, uh, it is... I, I was so glad it wasn't that episode because that one was really intense and quite a lot. I just don't think I could take it. No, no <laughs> it, it's, it's just because, like, it's hard to like Brenda if you're not, uh, like, with her from the beginning, I suppose. If you just kind of see it for a little bit, you're like, who is this bitch? She's really manipulative and just doing whatever she wants. But I'm also like, but she's doing whatever she wants. And I, I just like that she has a, a, a little bit of like, she's, she doesn't like being under anyone's control or power or dependency. Hmm. And, and I do like that she has that kind of internal power. And I, I don't know why I'm attracted to Brenda as a character, but I really enjoy her. Yeah, right. I think I think there are certain Brenda qualities that I would like to take on because I'm such a people pleaser in my day to day life. I do it accidentally without even trying to. Mm. And you know, like I, I would rather be a bit more myself unashamedly. Like I'm very much myself as a person out there in life, but I often hold my tongue a lot of the time, or mm. I don't say something if it's going to rock the boat. Whereas Brenda will sometimes not say something if it's going to rock the boat, and then say it later to Nate, or she'll just rock the boat. Yeah, she seems like somebody who. She doesn't stir shit up for shit's sake, but she won't back down out of a conversation if it's something that she strongly opposes. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know what it is. Because a lot of that I feel like I should relate to because I'm also somebody who, like, doesn't like to give power over to another single person in any situation. (laughs) I'm like, I would rather be in judge or at least the most powerful person in a situation and the reason i don't do relationships and also (laughs) what you are an existentialist well i'm an existentialist she's a nihilist oh that's quite what's the difference between the two an existentialist chooses to find their own meaning oh right um in life chooses to assign meaning in order to get through the fucking day (laughs) um a nihilist is just like no everything is meaningless and nothing matters at all and therefore just do whatever the fuck you want but also there's no point there's absolutely no point Mm. so that's and and the difference generally is it's kind of more like do you want to deal with the fact that nothing means anything in a positive way or in a negative way? <laughs> okay. Are you an optimistic existentialist or a pessimistic existentialist? Yes, yeah. or a pessimistic nihilist. Right, yes. So yeah. I choose to... Try and find meaning. Yeah, I choose to assign meaning where I find value. So, mm. you know, I try to... I think that if this is all we have, then we should make the best of what we have and therefore try to... Be as kind as we can to other people, and maybe try not kill to the planet. Do the other, and maybe not kill the planet because it's not just your own experience. Other people are experiencing things at the same time. Mm. So, like, let's just try and not be shit people. Whereas nihilists are like, nothing matters. It doesn't matter. Thank you for clearing that up, Jane. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so she's very nihilistic, which is makes sense. I understand it. And there's a lot of studies that show that nihilism is linked to high intelligence. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. I guess that would make sense in terms of the writing of a character, definitely. Yeah, it's it's kind of that whole, you know, faith doesn't make a lot of sense if you look at it objectively, which people with a high intelligence tend to do. Mm. 
and therefore you tend toward nihilism. But anyway, that's... So that makes sense toward... All of this means that I should really like Brenda. What do you... Can you put your finger on why you don't think you like her? At least in this episode. Because uh, last episode was a while ago. You'd seen a few episodes in the past, probably only like the first three. But what do you think it is that you don't like about her in this episode? It could be that she's too realistic. Really? Okay. It could be that she's really contradictory. Which is how humans are. Well, yeah. yeah. Everything I'm about to list is all very human traits. <laughs> okay, keep going. She's very contradictory. She, and, and inconsistent in many ways. She is moody. She makes no sense. She's manipulative. And, and therefore it's hard to know when she's being honest, like when she's actually breaking down or if she's like, is, is this vulnerable moment just because this is what I'm expected to do now is have a vulnerable moment My or is this... Gosh, that's making me think of so many past relationships in terms of like when I've been like genuinely reacting how I'm going to react or reacting the way I think would be better for them to see me react exactly. so they'd feel better. I didn't realise I did that so much. That is, it's a very human trait. But it's really fucking annoying in a TV show because it's hard to actually understand the character and get a sense of what they're doing. Exactly. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember any of the... Did you go to the writing classes we did in uni? The script writing classes? No, I didn't do script writing. Okay. I so did one creative thing, writing. Now, I... Oh, I did it over summer, so I didn't... Yeah. 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 So one of the... I do not take all of the advice that our script writing lecturer gave us, mm -hmm. but I do... Believe in this one. A character should be inherently human, but not completely human. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. They need to be a little more consistent, a little more understandable, a little more relatable. Because it seems like it's unplanned out writing, I suppose. Exactly. It yeah. looks in it looks like bad writing. But it's it's just too human. It's too human. <laughs> because we are not consistent people. Exactly. But and I think it's interesting that they've chosen that route in the writer's room is to go for this very, very human character when I feel like everybody else exists yeah. in a in a hyper-real space. Yeah. Uh, perhaps I wouldn't say less hy hyper-real, heightened. Heightened, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, in a more heightened rea real state. Heightened rea in a heightened state of real. heightened reality. There we go. <clears throat> in a state of heightened reality. <laughs> Got that. Like, you know, Ruth I find very heightened mm. as a character. Not that, again, there aren't people like that in the world. But Especially of a certain age, who they try to get her to look with always having her hair up. Yeah. Uh, Claire I find very heightened. But I also she's an emotional teenager. Yeah, mm. totally. But heightened Oh yeah, yeah She yeah. stole a foot. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. <laughs> uh, and... and Nate, to a lesser extent, I think he sort of is the grounding presence in the family mm -hmm. as somebody who sort of escaped the family and yeah. then came back and is like, what is this nuthouse? He's our, he's our character, um, he's our audience. Uh, through, surrogate. Yeah. He's yeah, our audience yeah, surrogate. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So he does tend toward the more realistic end of things anyway. Mm -hmm. and, and again, David kind of goes between. Sometimes I feel like he's very heightened. He's very much the straight-laced, 
anal brother who just wants everything to be exactly the way it's meant to be, and but he, also is holding tight to his secret so tightly that he can't yeah. like, emote. But I really like the fact that he's like, dude, I don't want to have... It really bums me out that you make me the killjoy, that you make me the one who has to be the bad guy. Yeah. I'm trying to do a good job here, yeah. but I always have to be the annoying, like unfun one. Yeah, totally. And it is part of his personality. He is uptight. He is a bit of a prude. Um, and he does have problems with those certain elements. Uh, but Keith brings the best out of him. Totally, and totally. anytime he spends away from Keith, I swear he has very little character development, which is not exactly healthy, but it also means that I'm so happy whenever I see Keith back on the scene, but then sometimes it's not right, it's not the right time, you're just like, oh my gosh. But like Brenda, Keith is uh, consistent throughout the five seasons. So do you think that the ship trumps the character? Explain that a little more. Which character? Explain that a little more to me. In terms of David and Keith, if you're saying that David without Keith is less interesting or doesn't oh, no, have no, no, as no, much no. development. Is the ship more important than the character itself? Uh, I, I I wouldn't say that. I would say I don't like... I still enjoy David's uh, failings, but he becomes a better person with the ship. He becomes stronger and more confident in himself and makes better choices. Uh, but I enjoy seeing him make the wrong choices because that ca- that puts him in the place where he will be able to grow. Um, but he doesn't tend to grow unless he's with Keith. Yeah. Um, it is it is frustrating, but uh, this David is very much uh, symbolic of uh, a lot of the elements of things that happen in this show with Brenda and uh, Nate as well. It's kind of like one step forward, two steps back. Yes. Yeah. It, Which they literally say yeah. in this episode, Keith says that, you know, taking one tiny step forward in terms of semi coming out to Nate and then taking one giant leap back into the arms of the church. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting way of looking at it. How do you relate to this kind of using the church as a safety net as somebody who comes from a religious background? Uh, to be honest, that was the least relatable part of the episode to me. Okay. Um, that's not a reason why I picked this episode at all. I okay. just found it interesting and it, and it gave me a bit more into uh, David's character because I didn't expect David to be a religious person, and, but he has a bit of religion. This family still has God in them uh, yes. a lot, and I didn't realise it was important to Nate, and I don't think it's even important to Nate that much, but because... But it's inherent. Because it's inherent and because he's not exposed to people where it's not important and then being exposed to Brenda, he has a problem with it. I don't I don't think it's fair to say that he's not exposed to people where it's not important. No, but to oh. people, I think that he, it doesn't come up in his life enough. People aren't uh, openly that not into it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or bluntly, I suppose. Well, yeah. He was very blunt about it. But again, I'm like, why... Did you just said it that way to get a rise out of him, or are you genuinely upset that he believes in God? Because she might think lower of people who believe in God. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, you'd find a, out in the next episode. That's a problem. Also, sorry, I know this wasn't where we were going. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I will go, continue go, go. to hear yep, your yep, opinion on that. Yeah. But I hate that that was the last scene of the episode. Because it's it not, wasn't concluded. Well, it's not related to anything else that has happened in the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah. Religion wasn't a strong theme for their plotline. For plot their plotline yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah. And it made no sense to bring it up there at the end. None at all. I mean, and it I just did felt give... like it was fodder for the next episode. I mean, uh, yes, but I also think that it fed more into Nate's... Uh, 
struggle with trying to figure out if she's being genuine, if she's being sincere, if she's in this, she gave him a key, but is she just being manipulative again? Should I trust her parents? Yeah, except that we've just had a whole, like, we just had that scene with her brother, which would have been... Oh, enough in terms of still not being sure about it. Totally. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Or if that had been what they were talking about there. This show doesn't do this every episode. Uh, it doesn't like always end on a thing that's meant to be. You got to watch the next episode now. Um, that 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 is quite unrealistic of the show itself. I'm sure it is. It yeah. just really bothered me. I, I can understand. I, that. Just I you... liked it because she was just so blunt about it. I enjoyed the content of the scene. It just didn't belong there. It as, was, as that final scene. As moment. that final yeah. scene moment. It was like we had a lovely moment wrapping things up with with David and Nate, not like a lovely moment, and a moment wrapping up their, that, that, pl- yeah. that plot line. We had a moment with Claire and her mother, which was sweet but not overly sweet. It was exactly what it needed to be. And then this random scene with Brenda and Nate, and I was like, this just doesn't belong. Would, you, would it be better if it was just a different order? No, it didn't. You be- didn't belong in that scene. I didn't belong there. If you wanted to have a moment with... Nate and Brenda at the end, it needed to be about something else. Because this is just introducing a whole other element to that relationship, which mm-hmm. hasn't come out in this episode. Oh, it hasn't come out at all. And so I this know, is the, yeah. But I mean, specifically, oh, yeah, specifically if we're looking at the episode, episode structure, yeah, have yeah. that moment with them be related to anything else <laughs> that they have even remotely discussed in the episode. Yeah, They've talked no. about a lot of things. I, I feel you, but I wasn't that uh, frustrated by it. It just pulled me out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It was... Well, it's nice to know that you were pulled in at least. Yes. Given that you were pulled out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was pulled in. I was kind of in- involved in some of the plots. Um... But, um, okay, yeah. So, did you want any more on that final scene? I, I, I just kind of agree with you. I see it in, no, a, in a critical, fine. like, structural point. I just, I think I've got a bit too much um, a favoritism with Brenda. That's partially related to maybe my bias with Rachel Griffiths. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think she's amazing in every single role that she's been in, and I just really enjoy the way that she um, portrays Brenda. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed that moment. It was something that I was struggling with, actually, because when I was watching, I was just like, what? This is when I was still figuring out if I liked Brenda or not. Yeah. And I was just like, but and you just told him you liked the whole church thing and you thought it was like a fun pageantry or something. You know? I think, and that makes, like, I don't have a problem with her enjoying the, the pageantry of it no, all. No, no, but I just thought that was a conflicting statement in terms of you just told him, oh, it's kind of fun. But also, it's all fucking random. But I You're think I can church. enjoy the... Um, the spectacle of a church thing without, but also just look at it objectively as, as a ceremony. Oh yeah. And yeah. Still, as a, as a rit- uh, ritual, a routine. And still say that it means nothing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just not something that I would ever say. No. Uh, even be- though it's not something, because it's too blunt. And because it, it, it doesn't mean nothing to you. You couldn't look at a church service and go like, well, I enjoyed the spectacle, but yeah, I don't care I'm, about I'm, the content. I'm quite disconnected from it now. It doesn't, mean anything to me but i understand it does that make sense maybe not doesn't mean nothing to me but you have i i mean i can't speak for you (laughs) i imagine please try no i want to know what you think i think of 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 religion i imagine that the way that we would experience these two events watching watching generally a church service and watching perhaps somebody that you know become a deacon or you know Mm -hmm. some sort of ceremony that you have a personal connection to the person Mm -hmm. I imagine that that would mean more to you because you have context around it and you can, you know what it means to everybody else in the room 
and you could probably feel more of an understanding of what's happening. Whereas I would look at it and go like, I can like, I get it, but I don't, I will never fully understand what this means you, to everybody around me. You, yeah. What you've mentioned there is uh, two things. You said meaning and understanding. For me, those are two different things. Yeah. Uh, and so I have a, I have a much better understanding of how it works and the relationships and what it means for those people. Yeah. And I understand that. And I would have, if I had an emotional connection to the person that it was involved in that ceremony, mm. I would be happy for them in the context of, I enjoy this person and they're doing something they want to do. Yeah. However, the meaning for it, there is almost no meaning for me. It's, it's, it's basically cold and clinical. I, I've kind of completely removed myself right. from emotions of, of like, like uh, spiritual, most definitely, uh, emotions uh, from church services and routines and ceremonies. I just see it as, okay, yeah, they're standing up now and they're doing this. Like, I understand the processes and what other people would be thinking while they're doing these things. Yeah. But it doesn't hold meaning to me. It's so it just it like a parade. It's just people standing up and doing a thing. So it doesn't provoke any kind of emotion in you Not anymore. really. Uh, I do avoid them, but I don't, I'm not really affected by them. Like, I, I've been to a couple since not believing in God and, you know, like Christmas or something like that. Um, it's... It, I, I feel uncomfortable in a church because I feel like everyone's judging me, but that I'm they're generally not. <laughs> uh, it just kind of feels when you're when you know you're not a Christian and you're surrounded by Christians, you just get a little bit paranoid. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it's it's fine. It's just it's whatever. It just doesn't give me really much of an emotional reaction at sure. all. Um, it's it's I've I, I think that's for my own benefit. Yeah, I uh, I've like had to kind of just take a yourself. step back. So I have a lot of understandings around it mm. and I understand what it means to those people. But to me, uh, the meaning and emotional reaction and connection, that's just severed. Uh, do you get bored? I would probably, but I do find, uh, you know, some ways that interpretations of Bible stories interesting. I'm not going to say I agree with what they're saying or it's, uh, I just, you know, I enjoy when people interpret different texts in different ways, just as like the Bible or, you know, a fable or a Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah. We've talked, we've talked before about how you particularly enjoy different interpretations of Bible stories. Mm. I would probably get bored depending on the church though. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that probably is is the most frustrating aspect of my church upbringing is that my immediate thought whenever I'm at a music concert, I think of uh, praise and worship and uh, Jesus Christ uh, like ceremonies and conferences because yeah. I was exposed to laser lights and smoke machines and guitar solos and, and crazy drumming kits like upside down in the church. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I see those lights that everyone's like, like, you know, it was like a Taylor Swift concert or whatever. Yeah. My immediate reaction is I'm taken back to like when I was in a Hillsong conference at like 16 years old. Yeah. So it's interesting that the, the ceremonies themselves no longer hold any meanings, but other things in the world the hold meaning element. back to, yeah. back to those ceremonies. Because there was an emotional attachment to the experience. And I remember how I felt when I was yeah. there. Which um, is what I, which is what I imagined is that, your emotional experience, your emotional attachment to church services as a child would continue to f oh, fill yeah. you with emotions now? Yeah, no, so not actually church events, but it's if I'm reminded of church events outside of that. Yeah, no, I didn't If you're reminded of that. the feeling that you got in yes. church events, yes. then that provokes the same feeling. But the and it's generally itself. a visual or physical element that takes me back to that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
It's nice that we delved into your psyche there. Um, that's, yeah, that's quite fun. Uh, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about why I love the show. Um, or do you want to give me, oh, do we do the ranking first? Uh, or do you want to talk about more? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to give you all the options. So many options. I would like to just touch a little more on... Claire and Ruth quickly oh, before we yes, go. please. Yes, please. I, which I thought you might like, Joy. <laughs> I forgot we didn't really get into it. Yeah. Definitely not why I picked the episode, but I, I was hoping this was in the same episode when I was remembering it. And it yeah. was. And I was it like, was. yay! I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed Claire a lot more in this episode than I did in the last one. Mm. I think I found her... I understood where she was coming from. I felt very deeply that whole, like, my mum is so lame. I don't want to spend time with her. I don't think that my family is healthy. I don't want to be around them all. Just leave me alone. Mm. I felt that really strongly from her. But I also enjoyed that she was able to empathise with her mother when they were in that situation where clearly, you know, her mother was her mother's experience was being trivialized by her cousin. I even appreciate just the little moment before that where she'll still give her a little bit. She doesn't hate her. She doesn't hate her mum, but she's yeah. like, You got the nanny professor and the runaway bride? Fine. Yeah. I'll still watch it. Yeah. But yeah, no, go back to what you're saying in terms of the trivializing of that individual moment. Yeah, I just think that that was, you know, it it's like I it's like we talk about a lot when we talk about these stories, is that a way to connect with a character is to show a little bit of vulnerability. Mm. Um, I did not come up with that idea. Thanks, Lani Diane Rich. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's very key to understanding a character. And what I liked in this episode was showing that Claire needed to see a little bit of vulnerability in her mother in order to connect with her mother and go, okay, she's a person I need to provide her with a little bit of support and therefore sh that's what, you know, provokes the ending where she says, let's go to the movies. Mm. I think I just enjoyed that journey from, you know, disaffected teen to still disaffected teen but willing to give her mother an inch. Oh, yeah. I think that that was just a nice little journey through and I enjoyed that it came from a place of seeing her mother be vulnerable, seeing her mother be human because it's so hard to see our parents as humans, as yeah, people. Yeah, and as soon as you do, you just kind of want to hug them. Exactly. You know? And, like, you know, granted, I, I enjoy my parents, I love my parents, I want to hug them generally. Yeah. But you feel like they need a hug. And it's horrible well, if it's... you f see, your, you know, your a family member of yours, especially ones who are older than you, who raised you, mm. who were kind of the perfect people when you're younger and don't know that they're not people and humans. Uh, that they're in pain. It's a hard thing to... A parent-child relationship for so much of a person's upbringing is such a one-sided mm, There needs relationship. to be authority. Exactly. There needs to be authority. It needs to be the parent provides love and support for the child and rules and boundaries for the child. And it's very hard for kids to make that adjustment when they get older and they learn that this doesn't this one-sided relationship can't actually continue now that I'm closer to being an adult. Yeah. They're no longer in charge of me, but that means that we need to shift the way that we treat them. Exactly, exactly. So I think that that it just shows a really, really small step toward maturity for Claire. And I like that it wasn't a huge step. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't need to be like 
everything's fixed. Everything's fine. I love you now, mom. It's just that I'm willing to make a small adjustment to the way that our relationship dynamic works because I can see now that you're struggling and I'd like to help. I like that you saw it from that side. Um, I I honestly saw it more from Ruth's side Mm -hmm. and I really just enjoyed the element where Ruth had a, a significant learning of like, she just has she has a tendency to romanticize things consistently and she always wants her family to be like a better family and she i feel like she's always trying so hard it's interesting i guess in this episode without seeing other episodes um seeing that vulnerability in ruth is quite special yeah it is it is very special because it's very human it's very honest it's very real and it's it's blatant and and ruth isn't often like that blunt but ruth is often kind of wearing a heart on her sleeve with her family she's yeah. like you know your father died and i just want us to be a family or can we just have breakfast or something else like this so i think the family is so used to kind of seeing her be like frustrated with the family not being a better family that when she's like vulnerable in that sense they just brush it off yeah but when they see her being vulnerable with anyone else or outside of the family and standing up for herself as well they're like Oh, mom, you're actually pretty awesome. I'm sorry yeah. I haven't didn't see you like that before. Well, it's kind of like I can speak shit to my mum, but no one else can speak shit to my mum. <laughs> right, right, yeah, you know? I got you, I got you. I feel like that's sort of where that comes from. Right. Is Claire going like, oh, I've she's probably said very similar things, like, yeah, okay, dad's dead, like, whatever, get over it. Yeah. You know, she doesn't hasn't exactly said that, but it's different <laughs> when you see somebody else say, like, your experience doesn't matter uh, because it's just the same as mine and it's like, nah, nah, nah. Whereas, you know, it's different when you see somebody else say it. Mm. And uh, the other thing was that I just really enjoyed that uh, Ruth got to take off the rose-coloured glasses a little bit and be like, actually, I don't want that. And even if I, like, if I I thought that I wanted that, but that's not right. This isn't good. Can we get the fuck out of here? Because I don't want to do spinning class with these crazy people. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we won't have that perfect relationship, but it's better than perfection, almost what we could have. Yeah. I think it's interesting that she sort of, from what I recall from last time we watched mm-hmm. this show, Ruth has generally been quite repressed within her home life. Yes. In terms of... You know, it was a loveless marriage. She's just been this, like, boring mother figure. Always supporting. Always supporting, always giving and giving and giving. And and I enjoyed that this episode shows that this kind of repression and this kind of just, like, pretending everything's fine or just not dealing with your emotions is damaging to these people and it's turned them into crazy people who go spinning instead of, you know, dealing with their thoughts and mm. dealing with their feelings. So I do find it, yeah, I think that that's an interesting progression for her. And I think we've been seeing that slowly, like, in the episode we saw last time when yeah, she, no. like, tried to flip the bed because she's like, this is the thing that I have to do right now. And and she gets a bit manic and try, starts to let out a little bit of, of that emotion. That seems to be where her character is heading, is learning how to not repress all of this feeling that she has inside and to become more free within herself and more a little bit more selfish in some ways. Mm, definitely. There's an episode where she gambles away, I think, $250,000 or something. Okay, I or didn't 50, want her to be 50, that unrepressed. 50, she, she was, like, going to the races and it was $50,000, I think. 
um, or twenty thousand dollars. Still, it's it's a number of thousands of dollars. <laughs> several thousands of dollars. I would like those several thousands of dollars. Um, but no, she she kind of just goes with a friend to a to a horse race and is like, oh my gosh, I just won two thousand dollars, and then she just keeps going because she's yeah. just like she kind of has. She's like, what is this feeling? This adrenaline? What's going on? I'm gonna what go is crazy. This feeling? <laughs> oh my gosh! I listened to um, uh, a recent uh, episode of um, a musicals taught me everything on the That's Not Canon uh, network where they talked about Wicked, and oh my gosh, I forgot how much I loved those songs. Anyway, uh, no, yeah, I I I really like seeing Ruth take a step back from it's interesting like you're seeing you're like you're loving her seeing a bit more free and a bit more selfish but for me it's i enjoy seeing ruth be like i i want to have this thing and i i need it now i'm now i'm in this point in my life i'm not going to not not live like this anymore but then she she reaches too far and that that the how far she reaches is not realistic and she brings it back a little bit do you think she was actually reaching for that relationship with claire for a carbon copy, I just think- no. I don't think she was. I think she was hoping, like, if 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 it could be like this, this would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she was actually going that far, but she would. At first, she was like, "Wouldn't this be amazing? See, there are people like this in the world." Yeah, I kind of. It felt a little more juvenile to me than I think you felt it. <laughs> it was it felt a little more, bit juvenile. It felt more like, well, here's my receipts. <laughs> This is exactly, you said that this doesn't exist, here you go, it doesn't exist. There you go, bitch. That's kind of how I read it, less of like, I want you to see that this thing exists so that we can have it. It's more like, no, you said it doesn't exist and here's my proof. Ruth doesn't, uh, Ruth rather like tries to reach for something as opposed to prove someone wrong. I don't know. And maybe she's starting to change that a little bit, uh, but that's uh, that's definitely. She seems not how like I somebody who gets it. like petty, caught up on details. Like in the scene with the guidance counselor, where oh, yeah. Claire was like, "My life sucks," and she's like, "Your life doesn't suck. I grew up here, and I did this, and you're not begging for food on the streets of Calcutta, and blah blah blah." She seems like somebody who gets up on a high horse and is just like, "No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong." So I, that's I think what informed me feeling like that is oh, that yeah. earlier scene where she's like. Right. For me, that's 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 the rose-colored glasses. She's like, you laughed as a child. You were happy. You were fine. It was yeah. great. We were a loving family. And it's like, mm, babe, you weren't actually that much of a loving family. It's it's a different environment that she had growing up. But of course, you know this kind of thing. It's it's for me. It's very much like I think she th- thought her life was better than it is, and she's realizing that. But did she? Because she was having an affair. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I think she was having an affair because, like, she, like her husband literally had not had sex with her in I think two years or something yeah. like that, um, and it was nice for her to feel like that in a different way. Um, but I guess with it's it's as immediately like, like as soon as the affair, uh, like her father, the husband died, she ended it immediately. Oh, she said that in the episode, didn't she? Actually, did she? Yeah, say that I to think her? she did. Yeah. Also, you told me that in the synopsis. Um, yeah, I think is it is interesting just generally how. In this C plot, you saw it almost entirely from Ruth's perspective. I saw it entirely yeah. from Claire's perspective. I gave no shits about Ruth's storyline. I found it really interesting, even in that scene with the guidance counselor, where the mother was like, you know, how, how like, how dare you feel like you weren't loved and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And here's your whole situation. I could both feel the shame from Claire at being like, oh, you're right, I did have such a fucking great, like, I had a very good upbringing, but also I'm, I'm sad about it all. <laughs> like, I I could, I felt that there was both 
shame for feeling so put out and also the continuing feeling of being put out. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I also like, you know, the little details in, in these shows and things like that. Uh, and, and one of my favorite little details was the fact that the guidance counselor session is always quite short. Yes, uh, and he's got to go do it for five minutes. Yeah, but that, that's the first time that was mentioned. And, and whenever there's been a previous guidance counselor session, um, you know, uh, it, it was short. But then you think, oh, we're just seeing part of the scene. It's like, no. No, that's the whole <laughs> that, that was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I did appreciate that. It seems like a very my high school thing to do. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think we had a school counselor. I think we had a chaplain, which which is like hilarious uh-huh. for my school yeah. to have had a chaplain because we were like th- the least religious school you've ever seen. My school didn't even have a chaplain. We actually had a counsellor. It's because you get funding for chaplains. You don't get funding for counsellors. Mine was public. Maybe it's different in different states. Yeah, maybe. In NWA, you get funding to get a chaplain. You don't get funding to get a counsellor. Right. So if you want any kind of counsellor-adjacent person, you, you're more likely to get, it like, yeah. it's better for you to get a chaplain. Anyway. Anyway, it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, did you ever go? No. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. What? I mean, like, I went once, but also mine wasn't a chaplain. I am an extremely well-adjusted human being, thank you very much. And <laughs> Even as a teenager? Was even more so as a teenager. <laughs> you had ballet. I grounding had, you. I had ballet and also, like... I don't know. I got all my depression out of the way when I was like 13 and then I was like completely emotionless for the rest of my childhood. So, and continue to this day. Feelings. Okay. Right. Um, (laughs) What didn't you like about this episode aside from uh, the uh, D plot of the um, uh, dead porn star? That really put me off, to be perfectly honest. That really, really put me off. And just generally... Very difficult for me to put my finger on why I don't like this show. Can you tell me why you do like this show first? Yes. Okay, so uh, one of the reasons uh, why I like this show so much is uh, we we touched on a little bit. Uh, I was hoping I was like, I won't go back to that line until we talk about this. But is how I really relate to the characters in the one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. And it's something that doesn't happen every single episode for every single character at the same time. But you see characters constantly kind of moving in this race of like character development or growth or like future passion careers or, you know, a relationship. And like not one element of that is everything that makes up a character. So, you know, Nate isn't just his relationship with Brenda. He's also, you know, studying to be a funeral director and trying to figure out how to make that a purposeful thing in his life and be a part of the family business and also try to kind of keep the family together and then he's also got a life-threatening illness in the back of his brain uh you've got claire who has oh a horrible attraction to bad boys unfortunately but she does also date boring nice guys it just doesn't generally last too long i would say we've all been there but i have never been there <laughs> i don't think i have either actually uh and you know she also has um, high school and then college and figuring out if she's interested in photography or art and painting. And then, you know, her relationship with her mom is a very big through line because she's just kind of fine with David because at least David was still around. Uh, and then you've got, uh, I don't need to break it down for every single character, but I just enjoy the fact that each character has, you know, these multiple things that they're constantly moving forward. And it's kind of like a little like race of seeing how far they're getting ahead. And I, it's never constant it's never just like i'm always moving forward and it's good and this happens this way and i like how 
it's it's painful for me to watch sometimes and it's why I haven't finished the show after still so long but when I come back to it I feel kind of like even though this family is not really much like my family I kind of feel like they're my family because I just feel with them and I get along with them and I love to see it when they fail because it makes it me feel like when I fail it's not so bad you say that a lot about shows do I yeah, Failure? you said the same a lot. Of, you said similar things about you're the worst, where you're like, "Oh, I did too." I like to see these people, you know, be bad people because it makes me feel less bad about being a bad person. <laughs> but with this one, I it gives me a bit more hope, I think. Uh, and it's not uh, it's not about the laughs. It's about like trying to, um, and also for the time of this show, it made a bit of an effort to untaboo a certain number of themes or content and subject matter. Uh, and I and I've I've listened to a number of different podcasts on uh, porn stars and things like that in the adult industry and how difficult employment is after the adult industry. And uh, I find, uh, you know, when people like that who are sexualized all the time to remind them, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, there was a um, shattering um, uh, suicide in uh, the gay adult uh, world and uh you know, attention to counselling and things like that. And and funding has been put forth to these kind of people who very much struggle in, in life and readjustment and also have a lot of judgment on them in workplaces and things like totally. that. And so I, I like how the show tends to generally with its um its deaths, if, if it decides with one of the deaths of the people, it won't do it every episode, but every once in a while it'll be an episode that's pushing that barrier a little bit to content and subject matter that I hadn't really seen in TV shows before and kind of make it a lot more approachable. There's um, an episode uh, with a gay bashing. Yeah. And uh, David isn't out yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that's actually the moment where he comes out to Ruth. Uh, and uh, it was so, uh, like, the first, like, five minutes was so hard for me to watch. Yeah, totally. And... Because, you know, sometimes it's almost a comedic death. Like, you know, the cat freaking tip. What was the thing? What was I the think they were hair curlers, weren't they? Oh, hair curlers. Oh, so that's how they get hot. You put it in a thing. <laughs> I've never used hair curlers before, Jane. I just, I'd never really thought about how they got hot. But oh, I just, man. I thought you put them in and you put a hair dryer on them. No, uh, you can do it that way, but it's really hard to get them dry that way. Right. Okay. No, you're you're much. So so it's like they got their own little oven that the like heats up. And the, so they sit on like a stick. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Stick gets hot. Oh. So it heats, and they've got these white these metal coils inside of them. Oh. So that heats the metal coil, and it's got like a conducting plastic. Oh, that's kind of cool. So yeah, the the stick heats up the metal, which heats up the conducting plastic, which then goes in your hair, mm. which then sets your hair in place. And again, another detail that I really liked is the opening of the show. You know, she's talking about I'm. I'm finally going to, you know, have you meet this guy. I promise I'll, you know, believe what you say. And it's the cat. And I'm just like, Aww. I've just been enjoying um, cat-dog uh, human relationships recently. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was a long-winded to say, no, way that's of saying okay. why I like the show. I like seeing the race on multi multiple of levels for each of these characters. Yeah. You know, not just in their relationship, but also in their own character growth and also in their um, career and yeah. things like that. And that it's not... Oh, now I'm going to university. Now I'm getting a job. Now I'm working this way. It's there's the constant struggle. Yeah, is very much a part of this show. And I think that that in a way helps me to understand what is so frustrating to me about watching the show. Mm. Just generally, is that I do like it when it's hard and it's you know occasionally you you get one two steps forward, one step back. 
but I can't watch that all the time. Even just watching it in this episode, I'm going, why did I watch this if it's just going to be this hard? Like, like again, that's one of the reasons why this is a hard show for me to watch yeah. because of that, but I enjoy it every single time I do watch it. I do feel like even though it's quite a talky show it's probably something that i would prefer to watch on a week-to-week basis yeah no well it, it was released on a week-to-week of course, basis but i mean i i don't think i would binge it yeah no that's actually a really good point so uh if anyone is interested in watching six feet under i've especially mentioned uh i i i tend not to give jane episodes well i i, I didn't want to give jane an episode later on because this is one of my shows that i would really like jane <laughs> to kind of watch um but i i i'm not sure if you will and i don't really care because I'm just going to be happy if I get there at some day. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, I, I just when I think about trying to watch this show, I just feel tired. It is a bit exhausting, but uh, but <laughs> that's what I'll say is uh, the the warning and recommendation from us is not to binge this show. Yeah, I would say maximum three episodes. Even I don't then, think I could do three. Two, maybe is, two is a lot. It depends what happens in the episodes. It was um, one of those ones where, as I said earlier, thinking about going to rewatch it for the second time to consolidate my thoughts about it. Mm. I was like, okay, I, I guess, fine. Like, I wasn't keen to do it again. And I feel that way sometimes about the shows you give me. I felt similarly about Dominion. But sometimes I do like going back to watch the second time so I can go, what were those little details that I missed out? Yeah. In this yeah. one, I was like, uh, I just, and maybe it was a, the way that I watched it because it was quite late. <laughs> and it had been a long week at work. That's the thing. I can't watch this. While it's been like a long week at work, yeah, no, and I this, need to this like show. If, if I would, if I would say any time of day to watch this show, it wouldn't be after work. It's not something I could ever watch after work, especially after a week. Uh, if anything, it'd be like a Sunday mid lunch kind of show. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like the daylight in this show is almost kind of like that kind of vibe anyway. Well, that's because it's set in LA, uh, but it's also it uh, looked very LA. Having is, recently been to LA. I like how unflattering the lighting is to yeah. a lot of these people. It's uh, bright in LA. <laughs> it's fucking sunny. Yeah, but there are other shows that are set in LA and they look a lot prettier due to much better lighting. But this show purposely, yeah. like part of like, there is a quality difference in the show in, in a couple of years. Um, and, and you do very much see that because, you know, from 2001 to 2005, how we saw our shows, totally. the quality and the HD, you know, big, big, big difference. But um. Yeah, what would you um, give the show, Jane, out of how many eyes in terms of no eyes, one eye, two eyes, or four with specs on? This is really difficult. Well, I think we've got to go with the episode, don't we? Well, the, I, honestly, the difference between the episode and the show at the moment doesn't feel that different to Okay, me. cool. It's just I I think I'm a one eye. Really? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I should give it two because it's like... Six feet under and every fucking No, no, it. just because a show is critically acclaimed or I really love it, you don't, you should never feel like you should give it to. I know. And, and I. Do you think it's well written? I don't know. <laughs> because it is that thing where it's the kind of writing that is trying to be really realistic, except when it tries to be completely hyper realistic with mm. the dead people talking to them. Yeah, so. And I it find is a show the disconnect with... between them totally. Really, really hard to wrap my head around. I, yeah, you made me realise this show has really realistic, heightened realistic uh, portrayals, mostly in everyone but Brenda, and then hyper-realism with the dead people who occasionally talk to 
one member of the family. Yeah, and I just feel like it doesn't quite pick a lane and I can't, I just... It doesn't do that every episode, but it like it's 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 present enough that this is a part of the show. Yeah, yeah. totally. And I knew that. I knew that from last yeah. time. I'm glad that this time nobody had any fucking dance numbers. Oh, I love that dance I number. Know. I know you hate it so I, and much. And I know that it's one of your favourite things like ever, but it, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> yeah, I look, it's gotta Just be a one it's eye. It's a one eye, yeah. It's no, a one yeah, eye. Why I'm do you not... think it is? Because it hasn't picked a lane? No, because it's frustrating to watch because I don't you don't this want to have hard television. I don't I don't want to watch a show where all it is is hard struggle. I need to see a little bit of the occasional win that's actually a win. I want it to be hard. I want the character journeys to be complex, but I also need them to occasionally win. And I feel by watching this that nobody ever really wins anything ever. Well, I mean, like, Keith and uh, David are kind of winning at the moment. Well, they're not. No, 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 where I'm at. I'm talking about where I'm at in in the season. I'm definitely saying it's not that way for Brenda and Nate at the moment. Uh, Maybe it will. I don't know. Apparently this But the thing is, you never have, you have a feeling of security in this show. There there is a constant being like, I'm always worried that, any relationship could go at any moment. I don't have security in these relationships. And and you shouldn't feel like it could go at any moment. You should feel like the the relationships kind of make sense and are moving in a stable direction. And whether that's stably up or then stably down, but I just feel like it's so bouncy around. Any character can do anything at any time, but I never feel secure. Like David just, sorry, like Keith just changed his mind on a whim Mm. for no reason. Brenda, she's so spotty. She's so all over the place. What's she going to do? Even, even David choosing to come out to Nate at that moment didn't really have a very strong build toward that. And I just wish that everybody was a little bit more consistent so that I felt a little bit safer in watching it. But it, it like a lot of those elements were quite realistic and quite human. Yes. But yeah, but that's frustrating for you in a show because it's too human. Because it's, but it's not all just realistic. Yeah, like, it's also heightened. It's also hyper. Pick it, a fucking lane. Exactly. So it's a little bit of like, I, I, if you're going to do that, it may not be my cup of tea, but could you at least be consistent with it? Like, mm. I don't know. I kind of like how it, Probably does more than it should. I think this show does more than it should. Totally. In its tone and its portrayal of those tones and, and the way they execute them. Also, but is it biting off more than it can chew? Because that's, that's also... A, that's a really good point. Maybe that is one of the big criticisms of the show that some people weren't afraid to admit because at the time it seemed very different to other normal television because television just picked a fucking lane, I suppose. So one of the reasons maybe why it could even be falsely represented as a really amazing show is because people hadn't really been exposed to something that tried to try multiple things, multiple tones and multiple uh, versions of reality. Yeah. And, uh, it, I'm not saying that they did and a perfect the, job. And the attempt is worthy of praise. Yes, absolutely. But it's not perfect. But I'm not 100% sure that the execution is actually worth it. Looking at it now. Yeah. Looking at it now at a time when this yeah, kind of shit is around yeah. everywhere. And so for me, watching it for the first time where there's so much amazing television on, I'm like, 
I don't feel like I need to go back and watch mm. this. And that's the thing. I mean, like, there is so much amazing television out there, or, like, even guilty television out there that's a lot easier to consume because totally. it's not as much of a struggle. Absolutely. And, uh, it's easier to just, like, sit back and enjoy at the end of a day. But for me, this show is, is, is Four Eyes, but that's also annoying that it's Four Eyes. Because sometimes I don't really want to have to put on my spectacles and really pay attention. Yeah. And I also can't binge it. So could I give it four eyes? I'm not even sure. Exactly. Yeah, I think in order for a show to be a hard watch, it also has to be, for me, like, next to perfect. Because if it's a hard watch and there's things that pull me out or there's things that right. don't work, then I'm like, why am I watching this? I guess Battlestar Galactica could be considered a hard watch at times. Totally. But it does a very good it's job of so it. So tight. That's so close to perfection that you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep watching. Exactly. That's a great example. <laughs> uh, even though it is painful to see the struggle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. We got there in the end. <laughs> Oof, that was quite difficult to pass out. All right. Um, okay, so I know what's been in my eye this week, Jane. So I do I for once. Oh! Good on you. Sometimes I go first so you can figure it out. <laughs> All right. What's in your eye this week, Jane? In my eye this week is a YouTube series. Oh, is it um, a web series? Well, I guess that's what they all are now, aren't they? Yes. Sorry. It's yeah. a, by nature of being a YouTube series, it's, it's on the, the web. Yes. No, it's a, it's so there's a channel called Bon Appetit. Okay. Which is like a food. I've heard of it. Yeah. So they're like, they have like this, it's a, it's a real reality. Do you call it reality if it's on YouTube? It's not like reality TV. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like a, a YouTube channel. It's show. a yeah. It's a it's a it's a quick it's a cooking show. It's a talking show. It's, it's not a fiction, show. is what I'm saying. It's not a it's not a fiction <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like a bunch of people in this like test kitchen where they try to make things. Oh, or... the back to back. What? No, sorry. I'll let you finish. I don't think that that's a thing. No. Um. So that so that's the the channel is Bon Appetit, mm -hmm. and within that they have a series called Gourmet Makes. Right. Where it's like gourmet pastry chef Claire Saffitz attempts to make gourmet sort of versions of popular treats. So like one of them is about. Reese's peanut Reese's penis. Peanut. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups, I think is where you're going. Reese's peanut butter cups. Um or they might try and do Pringles or they oh, might cool. try and do um what they call uh ramen, which we would call like two minute noodles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um and so she tries to make they're sort of gourmet. She usually tries to make them a little bit fancier than the actual packet version. Right. Um but it's so brilliant, and I... Why do you like it so much? Oh, my God. You just have to watch it. It's, <laughs> Is um, it well executed? Is it... Okay, so it's like... Basically, they try and do it in four days. Oh, okay. And so it starts off with Claire, who is just a hilarious human being, basically getting this... Say it's a Snickers bar... Eating it. Oh, and like, like breaking it down. Like breaking it down. Oh, yeah. She reads out the ingredients. She goes onto the web and tries to figure out how they're made in the factory and how she can replicate that in the test kitchen right, yeah, without yeah. all of the equipment and all of the stuff and trying to do it in four days. Sometimes she goes like a little bit mad. She usually <laughs> gets to, I think it's the day two slump where she gets to the end of day two and she's just like falling onto the counter just being like I have no idea how to do this I cannot replicate the nougat the way that the nougat is in this sneakers bar it's literally impossible without the equipment and then she comes back in the next day she's like right okay that was yesterday here we are we're back again and I just relate so hard to it as somebody who like 
gets so beaten down and just like when gets cooking to the, doesn't work. Not even just, uh, just I life. mean, <laughs> cooking and life. Um, one of the same. One of the same, but just like gets to that point where you're like, I can't. I just like everyone needs to just get the fuck away from me, and including like the camera. So you know, oh yeah. Sometimes the producers on the other side going like. Can you talk us through what's happened and why? Because, like... It's content. At one point, she, was, she like, did something and then she tried to do something else and it was apparent that it wasn't working, but she wasn't saying what the problem was. Uh, yeah, and so as the audience, uh, non-chefs, we wouldn't know. No, and, yeah. and so and the producer was like, can you tell us what's happening there? She's like, I can't. And he's like, just a, just a little bit, just because we can't see what's going on there. She's like, I just... I just, <laughs> and she just couldn't, couldn't even speak. Anyway. Okay, no, th- th- thank you for explaining the structure a bit because in my head I was just imagining it as she makes this fancy version of a thing. No, no. Uh, but th- it's actually like the whole uh, journey and the thinking about it because I've been in that situation before, uh, like trying to eat a candy bar and trying to figure out, okay, if I was going to make this into a pie, how would I do that? What are yeah. the ingredients I would need to use? Oh, this isn't going to work. Is that now a tart? I don't even know. I'm not even good with tarts. Also, I don't want to eat gelatin anymore. Oh, my vegetarianism. Should I just eat meat again? Yeah. What am I even doing? Yeah. Exactly. And when she goes, like, I just want to make it, like, a little bit more gourmet. So, like, I'll try and use, like, all natural dyes. And then she tries to do that. And then halfway through, she'll be like, cool, I'm not going to try and do that anymore because that's impossible. (laughs) Or, like, the only way I can do that is by adding turmeric. And now it just tastes like turmeric. So (laughs) get out the artifact. Anyway, it's so brilliant. Gourmet makes. Mm -hmm. Um, if you like, I binged it all last weekend. And there's, <laughs> and about, there's about 20 episodes they right. go for between 20 minutes and like 50 minutes, depending on Interesting. how difficult, how complex, how complex yeah. they yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the last one, which I think was Doritos, was a lot, or maybe Starburst. Actually, it was Starburst. Starburst, that's interesting. Yeah, Starburst yeah. Fruit Chews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know ones. By the end of that, she was just like. I need a break. <laughs> she yeah. was so tired. So anyway, I highly recommend particularly Gourmet Makes, but the rest of the channel is really great too. I just finished watching um, the series where they work together to try and f- make the perfect pizza. I think I've seen other things on Bon Appetit, uh, yeah. but I haven't seen that. Highly um, recommended. So uh, what's been in my eye this week, uh, well, especially during the week that I was sick, was Krypton. Oh, no. I know, and I was really surprised. To be honest, it, I just was like on a certain site where it was showing me the latest episodes of things that have been released, and I was like, oh, they did Lobo? Lobo's a very uh, big, burly, kind of ridiculous, like, Deadpool answer in the DC universe. Sure. But he's, like, opposite Superman, but big and bulky and white and, like, kind of crazy, like, 90s biker. Okay. Anyway, I was really surprised this show was doing Lobo. And I was like, how are you going to bloody do Lobo? The DC worlds of DC or whatever they that universe is or is not anymore um, were apparently going to be doing it later down the line. Never really took off, uh, obviously, because DC. But it's they do a really interesting job of like the actual comic book accuracy of some of these villains. So the first season it has Brainiac and oh my gosh, he looks just like Brainiac was meant to look. He what does he's not, you know, as much as you love Spike from Buffy. What's that actor's name again? Spike from Buffy. Yeah. James Masters. James Masters. He's not James Mastered just with black eye contacts. Uh, because that's how he's represented in Smallville. You know, James Masters. Yeah, that's right. Marsden or Masters. Masters. No. 
Oh. One of them is Cyclops, one of them is Spike. And I'm Marsden having... is Cyclops. That's what I thought. Okay. Yes, yes. That is exactly what I thought. And then I <laughs> second guessed myself. But I can't believe I second guessed myself. It's okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. Out of, out of any any cast, that's the one I, I expect know. you to just know the cast I of do immediately. Know. I do. Absolutely. Jane's got a head in her hand. She's embarrassed. I'm not well. Leave me alone. <laughs> But yeah, no, I I was really surprised by the way that they would introduce these characters and they actually did a pretty great job of a character who's known for being gratuitously violent, uh, swearing all the time. In comic books, you know, you can just put those uh, random asterisks and characters and symbols and glyphs. Uh, but in a TV show, he uses frack as, right. as a swear word. If, if For those of you who don't know, that's the profanity of the future in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And... Um, uh, he is fantastically and kind of not gorily, but just as graphic. It's they've done a very creative job of uh, the limits and the parameters of that show. I enjoy the class system they're trying to create. Again, I think with Dominion, when I say ambitious for a show, I think it's basically any show that doesn't have like a city and town setting that we're used to on this earth and this day and age or history to tell us how things worked you know it's any sort of fantasy science fiction or various element of world building i'm always like oh you're trying oh i want to see what this class system like outside of books it's 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 hard to do um and some shows do it amazingly well this show doesn't do it amazingly well but it does it well enough that i it got me going back for more to be honest i kept going back for more because i just wanted to see logo in season two and i'd only seen one episode and you are a weirdo who can't just jump into the no i just can't i i can't i can't jump into an episode seasons later unless it's on this podcast i or unless it's someone i'm trying to get into bed with uh that's the only other example i will give what what actors do you are you actually trying to get into bed with no if if it's the oh, show. If you're watching. Yeah, okay, yeah, never mind. I was yeah. like, honey, <laughs> I hate to tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I got a picture with Sam Whitwell, but I know he's married. It's not like I'm trying to get in his pants or anything. Oh my gosh, that was a really fun time when I was Comic Con. He made a joke. Okay, let's Sorry. wrap this up. So you've been watching Krypton, you enjoyed the Lobo yeah, of yeah. it all. If if you if you like comic book shows, uh, it's pretty good. On a scale of What scale we're given here? Uh What's a really good comic book TV show? Oof. Like... Preacher? No. Oh, On a scale of, like, season one Jessica Jones... All right. ...to, um... Iron Fist? Marvels and Humans. Oh, that's painful. Where does it sit? Oh. <laughs> uh, With kind of Supergirl right in the middle there. Oh, I'd probably say uh, just a, a step below Supergirl. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, like, it's 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 almost a step above Supergirl in some content matter Yeah. Uh, and delivery of that, but it's not as good as it tries to be. It's aiming to be a step above Supergirl, but it's probably a step below because it doesn't do it as good as Supergirl is just sitting there yeah. in that good sweet spot. That just gave me a great idea for a season of this podcast. <laughs> just just all superhero com- TV all shows. comic book TV shows. Yeah, that would be... Well, comic that books, be there's a lot of, there's a lot of non-superhero comic book-based TV that's shows true. as well. We've got Lucifer in there. That's true. Mm, okay, concept. that anyway. could be something we talk about later. But you could also rate, review, and subscribe to us. You could, yes. Uh, you can find us on all the places. Also, congratulations to our winner of iChart. Yes. So iChart is what we're calling our competition type thing where you can guess what show we're going to do the following week Mm. based on some lovely image hints on Insta. So thanks. Yeah, congrats to at Spitzpicks. 
And uh, she uh, commented from our handle of at Made You Look Pod on Instagram yes. and figured out what show it was. Yes. She's also my housemate. So congrats, <laughs> V. You got a shout out. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what you could get if you decided to come and have a look every Thursday where we give those hints and then we announce on Sunday what the show will be. And a couple more people might follow you on Instagram. Who knows? And maybe you will. Thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's all for this week. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. Hi there. My name is Jane. My name's Kurt. And that was a very soft hi there. It was. It was a little <laughs> bit um, late night radio. Yeah, a little bit. I, 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 To be honest, I had a big night, so I'm kind of still in last night's, Not hopefully not too much in last night's headspace, given the amount of alcohol was had at a going away uh, party. Great. Yeah. This has made you look, by the way. Yes! A podcast between me and Jane. Yes. I'm going to start this whole thing again. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I start the initial Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 